Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo and Pistol. You're on with me tonight. Do you hear that sound? Can you hear it? I can't hear anything. <laughs> the Cheezo chase down has happened on our poor man, JB. And, you know, I, I've got to let the truth out now, and that is Pistol, that he knew he was falling down to be the lowest ranked podcaster and he, he he kind of stepped away from the podcast last week in shame <laughs> to let me on a week early because it was a fait accompli that I would overtake him this week uh, and I just see that as being a, a really responsible man that understands uh, you know just the respect between one another you know my respect goes out to JB for doing that. I, I just feel like a regular back on the podcast again mate like when's Pistol go you know when, when it's uh, JB getting back on here mate? I guess he has to overtake you in the rankings to get his spot back but he doesn't have much time now. <laughs> Uh, I'm, honestly, I'm every single year I get to like the last fortnight and just triple my ranking. So I'll go from like two k and end up like six k. That's just it's just what I do every every single year, mate. Um, I, it's nice to see your internet didn't cut out this week. <laughs> nope, it's uh, pulling through at the moment. I can hear you kind of clear. So <laughs> if I yeah, if I get a question wrong or answer it, that's why the internet, not any other reason. <laughs> Paul Pistol was trying to claim that he called the uh, the Bonts 199 as a captaincy score, but unless it ends up on TV, you can't really say that you called it out. It, po- it popped up on the bottom of the screen saying captaincy option Marcus Bontempelli, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still claim <laughs> The producers that. have saved you, that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Let's ignore let's ignore the uh, danger field call from this week, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of all weeks, it didn't cut out this week. Hey, I would have been happy with 114, mate. I I got stuck with a lot of us that got Neil 72, and I I absolutely would have adored the 114 from from Danger. And how did you go with the rest of your week? And what rank are you up to now? Uh, not too bad. I'm into the low 3000s, uh, 2344, which got me uh, uh, up another. I, I was absolutely sure I was going to fall with that, but to be, I think I was 8000 for for the round. And uh, moving up continually, pistol, which is I'm really, really excited about. You know, just just fighting hard to get my highest ever finish. Which, um, if I can hold ground, uh, I'm, I'm going to be really, really close to doing that. So I'm really happy. What about yourself? A two four oh two saw me rise just a little bit Ooh. to a two hundred eightieth overall. So I'm just basically been trading water for majority of the season. Um, I don't think my team is in particularly strong shape moving forward, but. It's been very clear this year that those that weren't really hit super hard by injuries and those that managed to not sideways trade um, have been rewarded because they end up with a lot more premiums um, in their side by this stage of the season than those that were hit harder or did sideways trade. So, you know, if you're you're like me and you've got 21 premiums in your side, even in a, a poor week where some of your premiums misfire, you end up still with a 2,400 score. But it takes other people who have, you know, 19 premiums. Um, it takes a, a good 19 premium scores to be able to get 2400 so it's it's a funny dichotomy at the moment at the moment just seeing like teams scoring well but with like bad teams and teams that have i guess really top end premiums not quite reaching the same marks but then when the buy rounds hit i'm expecting that to change around a little bit yeah dichotomy what a good word i I love that (laughs) i love that from you mate um Yes, so uh, we'll jump into some housekeeping before we do get into the deep dive for Supercoach this week. Uh, Why don't you take us through some donations? We do have a couple. Yes, okay. So firstly, we have got Damiano again, a uh, 
appreciate your your constant donations. He says, got to stop losing bets to Benny Buzzboys. Betting that Doherty <laughs> will go 95 for the rest of the season. So it's going to be a weekly donation for him. Ouch. I don't think Doherty... I think he's going like 85 or 80 in the last 10 weeks. 95.5 plus or minus. How did we come... Benny's, Benny's done a runner with that. That's an absolute steal. That's the Facebook market marketplace sell, that one. <laughs> That's... That is a donation probably for the rest of the year every week. Ouch. I didn't know how that's a that's a stiff line. Well played, there. Benny. Well played, yeah. Benny. The Cancer Council loves you. It's great. We've got Marshall Kane that says donate for donuts as if Essen couldn't let me down anymore this season, Devin, that's the last straw, Rosie. You're next. So that was last week, obviously. Ran out of time to uh, go through them. Joel Dillon says happy for Cheezo to be back. Well we've got Joel. fans. J D. <laughs> yeah, fair. You've got fans. Uh, let, let, let's not turn that into a plural pistol. Yeah, you've, you, your OnlyFans? Um, all right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, don't, don't be leaking that information about me, mate. <laughs> Henry Gibbs, that, that, That's you. a top-tier sub only. <laughs> Henry Gibbs, thank you for your donation. Never yo-yoing again. Yeah, that yo injury was a bit stiff. Um, we've got Eccles that says, Just donating. Thanks for all the effort you lads have put in during the tough year with the podcast cup and all the other work you guys do behind the scenes. Keep up the good work. So thank you, Eccles. Thanks, Eccles. Super kind of you. And uh, it's it's worth it to... Uh, is it worth it? No, it's worth it, Cheezo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely worth it. Uh, to Lucky Deli says, Donating for dumb things like getting drunk on Friday and leaving the sea on Com- Comroy, which meant I got Neil as my VC instead of McRae. Oh, that's yeah, rough. That's I was sad. watching, I was watching, he, he Snapchats me every brand new drink he tries. He must be trying like a, a cocktail book or something he got for his birthday because every Friday he tries something new and I just knew this was going to end up bad. I just had a feeling. I knew <laughs> it just wasn't going to go well. <laughs> Jeez, Chizo, I feel like I'm having an epileptic fit watching you on the YouTube stream. You've got <laughs> lights going off in the background. It's hard to concentrate. I know. It's, it's just adding a little bit of ambience, mate. A little it's bit a of disco. ambience as we prepare for live stuff. This is uh, crazy. We've, we've got one shout-out on uh, the Patreon, a new sign-up, Henry Gibbs. Thanks for becoming a patron and jumping into the Slack channel. And uh, and donating uh, for donuts. And, and donating <laughs> as well, just uh, loving you, straight into being a part of the community. We absolutely love it. Uh, and obviously, the last thing that we've got is the Dr. Supercoach Cup, down to the last 16. Your boy Cheezo is still alive. The last podcaster into the last 16. It's, it's basically what we call a fairy tale run pistol, and uh, uh, everyone agrees there's definitely no grumblings behind the scenes that I had an easy run or anything like that. Uh, particularly when I came up against, uh, I've got two of my rivalry league boys this week. I've got if I I've got uh, Roger this week, and if I get through, I get Wooshka. So uh, more than happy to get some merch going their way. Maybe I should tank this week just to, to guarantee some of my boys get get some merch. Um, but general soreness. Is in the last 16 as well uh, of the Doc Supercoach Cup, coming fourth overall and only 11 points behind the leader. So uh, it's getting very, very, very tight at the top uh, and it's going to go down to the wire. So super excited about that pistol. And uh, not only that, he's cleaning up pretty much every prize we've got as well, Jen. You know, you've got prizes coming for Prize League. You've got prizes coming for Rivalry League. You might be taking a home the, the Supercoach thing. I think you almost need to retire after this year, Pistol, if he wins a lot. <laughs> It's. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of the top maybe twenty players will be separated when it comes to round fifteen. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that shapes the leaderboard because that's going to be the make or break week. Um, yeah. I think from this point forwards. And a lot, a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, 2020 is a wash year." If you win in this year of all years, you deserved it. 
Because we're all flying by the seat of our pants, and if you're making all the right moves to get to the end, you absolutely deserve to take home the title. So uh, really, really excited to see how that ends up. We will jump into some Supercoach now, Pistol. Uh, the biggest talking point that we have brought up, I think I brought it up as, as early as like round three or four when we were doing a bit of a deep dive, is that people are really you know, starting to recognize that we just aren't going to finish our sides, or potentially a lot of us won't be finishing our sides depending on how hard we've been hit by injuries, etc. during the year. Um, Pistol, is that something that you're finding as well, that you know uh, we're not going to get a full 22 upgraded premiums? It's funny. I think that was round three when you mentioned it because that was essentially the last time that you were on the podcast as well. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember it quite clearly. I was a drink! <laughs> <laughs> He's just spat his drink out all over himself. Oh, that was fire. Uh, I, I rate that. Yeah, I'll pay that. <laughs> it's it's funny because we've never had this many trades before. Obviously, 37 trades in a shortened season, and people are still struggling to get to full premium. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, personally, I think the price rises after the two games has just backfired spectacularly. Um, with limiting our cash generation, um, I think it may have been a little bit wiser to go with a double price rise on the third game rather than making us uh, try and jump a little bit early. Because what ends up happening was we were jumping at shadows and any rookie that was looking like moving would jump on. So we end up with, I guess, more worse rookies. And sometimes for the better ones, we jumped on a week late after they'd already had a price rise. So we were paying more for rookies than we've ever paid before. So we actually had less cash. And then they didn't last on the field, um, I guess, as long um, because of the shortened quarters as well. And the scoring, you know, has not been optimal for the rookies as well. So I guess accumulation of all of these things has just led to, I guess, money problems. Um, and yeah, I think that that two-round price, we'll call it change, I think that's been a, a little bit of a fail, Chizu. Um I guess I'm going to throw something back at you because I, I can see based on you know community teams that are being posted on Twitter and our Slack, a lot of people are going to get to, I'd say 21 primos is probably realistically the average person's team lineup um, going looking forward for the rest of the season. What Are you trying to get to 22 premiums or are you trying to just get to 21 and saving some trades for injuries or or where where are you calling it and just saying, you know, I've upgraded my team to the the best that I can and I'm just going to save some trades now or are you just going to go all out to the end? Well, it's a really good good question because it it brings up um, the topic of are we trying to get to a finalized 22 or are we trying to get a really solid 19 or 20 and then use extra trades um, to try and you know kind of benefit from the best 18 and sides, sideways premiums around their buys. I'm personally trying to get to 22 premiums. The reason being is that I know that I'm not going to... With the cash generation we've talked about, I know I'm not going to have the same sort of side that we've finished other seasons with where our... M8 is averaging 105. You've got you've saved up all all year. You've maxed out rookies that have played 10 weeks straight and have just dominated cash. Uh, you can trade him in for 350k, no worries. Um, you pick up a, a danger field when he drops in price. That hasn't happened this year, and so my F6, my D6, and my M8 are going to be slightly reduced in their um, overall kind of quality, I guess would the word would say. But the reason that I want to get um, 22 of them is because 
I want to have more opportunities in the buys. Like, it, it's all well and good to say only 18 scores count, but I'd rather have more than just 18 chances at getting those scores. Like, if I've got 22 premiums or 21 premiums, the three worst premiums drop out. Whereas opposed, if I've got, as you say, 18, 19 premiums, they all have to go fantastic for me to keep up with the pack with those players that have almost finalised their side. So um, if the likes of um, Doherty at D6 for me right now gets 84 and he becomes my 21st player that doesn't score that round, I'm not disappointed with that as opposed to someone that's got to count him because they've only got 18 premiums and they're sideways. So uh, I know probably... The theory, you're probably going to throw some numbers and some theory at me right now that um, you know my my rule this year is to try and keep it simple and try not to go try and get too tricky with it. I'm just trying to upgrade as much as I can across the field and um, spread my buys around as best as I can and give myself as many chances as possible to hit 18 good scores during those buy rounds. I think a lot depends on how you're tracking with that round 15 buy. I'm assuming people listening to this podcast won't have 18 premiums for that round 15 bite, which means they are getting at least one rookie score. And uh, in my case, potentially a zero, um, just because the amount of players that I'll have available is probably going to be less than 18. And that will dictate, I guess, a different way to play the game for the rest of the season. So... For example, and I will throw some numbers out and I'll try and keep it as basic as possible, but if you have, let's say, 16 players um, for round 15, so you're guaranteed you're going to be copying a donut or two donuts in round 15, and you have to make a decision between either sideways trading some premiums in round 15, so like a Bailey Smith or a Mitch Duncan or Tom Stewart, whatever it may be that you're planning on sideways trading, or using those trades to try and finish your side and get 22 premiums. People are having this question where is it better for them to spend those extra trades to sideways their premiums or should they just end the year with 20 premiums and you know a rookie at F6 or D6 um, instead and where's the best use of trades? I think numbers-wise, if you're going to be copying a zero or like me, two zeros in round 15, you're better off sideways trading a premium player because if you were to cop the donuts, obviously that's, let's say, if it's a, a Bailey Smith and a Mitch Duncan, I've, I'm losing, we'll go with easy numbers, I'm losing 200 points straight off the bat. That's 200 down the drain. Obviously, if you were to trade them, you know, you've you've got 200 points. So we'll just say if I sideways trade them, I'm gaining gaining 200 points. Now, if I keep them, and then upgrade in another position to give me an extra premium. In the best 18 rounds, that extra premium in round 16 is not... I already have 21 premiums for that week. So an extra premium is not going to do me probably any scoring potential good. The only time I'll get a positive... Uh, I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get more points back will be in round 17 and round 18 by having an extra premium. The difference between a rookie score and a premium is probably 40, 40 points, maybe 50 points, Chizo. So if I say it's 40 points, um, that means I'm going to make across two rounds, I'm going to make 80 points um, for one premium player. So around 17, 40 points, around 18, 40 points. Um, so a total of 80. Or if I were to um, have two players short and I was able to get 20, 
two premiums. I'd be getting, obviously, um, 80 points in round 17 and 80 points in round um, 18. So still less than my 200 points that I would have gotten just by sideways trading premiums. Plus, for those rookie scores, a lot of people are in the position where they can loophole the best of two rookies. So you might end up sharking a little bit of a better score as well. So I think mathematically it makes more sense um, to avoid getting those donuts in round 15 and sideways trading those primos to get those extra premium scores um, on the board rather than completing your side, even though it kind of goes against the gut feel. And, you know, it is a combination because of the best 18 scenario that we're in where, um, you know, there's one extra buy round next week and then two non-buy rounds. Um, that's just the way the maths work out this year. But, you know, in, in another year, Chizo, it might be a completely different um, scenario where it would be better to just cop the zeros and then, you know, make up the points with the um, premiums. But we only have two rounds to make that back in round 17, 18. You know, I, I reckon if there was even, th- you know, mathematically, if there was three rounds left where we'd be getting a premium over rookie score, that would be the better option. Just this year, in the combination of buy rounds to non-buy rounds and where it, we, we are at the stage of the year, it, it does make more sense just to sideways trade those premiums. Yeah, and, and so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm picking up is that you're choosing to try and maximize your points through the round 15 buy and, is, and you're therefore foregoing the opportunity to have a nice filled out 22 on field and um, by side because you're so heavily affected by missing premiums in that round uh, even if you filled out your 22 players it's still not going to fill that hole and so for you to get the most amount of points in your team would be to try and sideways some of those premiums to, to keep the scoring up in that heavily affected week is that sort of along the same the, the track that you're trying to point out yeah and that that's for people like me who are looking at zero scores um, in round 15. I mean, look, I'd already had my premium players before the buys were announced. I happened to have only one player missing in round 14 and one player missing in round 16, and every other premium I owned all got the buy at the same time. Um, and I've got I've got players from all of those buy teams. It was just chance I'm going to have nine premiums missing um, in round 15, and there was no way I could avoid it. Just Lady mm. Luck, you know, hit me again this season. But... Um, other people, I understand that they will have 18 players and they will have some rookie scores instead of premiums, and that changes the equation. Obviously, in that case, uh, trading a premium player um, instead of you know upgrading, um, if I would just do some quick maths, you'd be getting a premium player over a rookie score just for that one week in round 15, whereas if you were to upgrade the rest of your side instead, um, and bringing an extra premium, you'd be getting a premium player for around 17 and 18. So in that situation, if you're not copping a zero, you're actually better off just upgrading your side and playing the uh, 18 uh, best 18 with more rookies rather than sideways trading your premiums then. So yeah, yeah it's so, a case-by-case. So we've talked, a, talked, a, talked a, bit, a, a little bit about your side and how you're affected and why you're making those choices. And that's really good because I can guarantee you there's a huge proportion of coaches out there that are going to be in the exact same position that you are. Let me kind of... I, I've, the, I've fallen on the sword during the year, but I've actually come out not too bad uh, for the round 15. Um, I'm going to have 14... Uh, sorry, 15 premiums and four rookies as it stands that will be available that week. So um, because I've got the 
um, you know, the full allotment of 18 available players. I'm kind of subscribing to the theory that you've just explained on the second half there that um, if you're not looking at zeros, it is actually better to try and fill out your side and bring that extra premium in because not only will they be coming, uh, covering a premium that's missing and preventing one of those rookie scores from counting, but it also means in the final two rounds when we go to best 22, hey, you're not playing a rookie score as opposed to other coaches that had to sideways. Yeah, that's essentially it. But I think you can do some things to kind of increase your odds. Obviously, it's not ideal to be playing two rookies, um, you know, at like an F6 or D6. But for example, when I am going to trade out Bailey Smith at round 15, um, I'll be doing some DPPs to swing um, Bailey Smith and trade into a premium defender because some of the cheaper forward options, I feel like they're, they're much more viable than the cheaper defensive options. So yeah. Yeah, just having a look there, you can see like Rosie is still sub 300k. I mean, Jeremy Cameron's been awful, like absolutely awful, but he's going to be sub 300k as well. So if I end up, you know, with a, a Woodcock that's going to be equivalent, you know, equivalent price, I wouldn't mind doing a Woodcock to a Rosie and just praying for the final two weeks he manages to put up a pair of 80s, for example. And then mm. I potentially might not even lose many points on, you know, other players. Yeah, okay. Well, let, let me just throw one more permutation at you. Let's say, for example, one of the rookies that um, you're looking at a donut, you're in the same position that you're at, but the rookies that you were bringing on field um, uh, for, for, to, to kind of get those points on field were of the lower scoring end, um, like a, a butts or you know maybe a ling comes back. Um, it does, does that does that uh, impact the way that you move forward? Are, are you still sidewaysing um, sidewaysing a premium, or are you trying to upgrade one of these rookies that would otherwise be a score um, to a lower premium, like a, a Rosie or someone like that, so that when you get your premiums back the following week, you're not still stuck with a a, a forty from a defensive rookie. Yeah, if Ling's playing, I'm still counting that as a donut <laughs> for his score. Um, but you're right. You do have to evaluate each rookie based on their scoring potential. But I, I don't think there's too many super, super low-scoring rookies going around at the moment. Um, but you're right. I, I would still sideways trade a premium if a rookie that's my I only have 18 and one of those rookies is somebody that is projected to score, you know, sub 30 or 40. I'd probably sideways trade a premio. But otherwise, I'd still be... You know, just I'd, I'd take a 45, I'd take a 50 and be upgrading my side and trying to get 22 players at the end of the season because, unfortunately, Chizo, it could happen round 17 and 18. It just takes, you know, one player to get rested here or there and then you've got rookies back on your field and premiums on your bench. And um, if you're in a situation where you're already relying on rookies on your field, I hate to think what your then uh, bench cover looks like. Yeah. On top of that, it's well, tell good. me if you if you don't really want to let on this, but how many trades are you going to have left on the other side of round fifteen when you do your side all your sideways? Oh, so I think I will have three after round. Well, it depends how many I'm looking at. So I, I will need to make two sideways trades to get to eighteen players um, in round fifteen, and I'll have three trades remaining um, with twenty one premiums, which I currently have. Um, I think I won't. I, I mean, obviously, with three trades left, I could get a final premium. Um, I'm just potentially going to hold out on yeah. that and just the, save some. I don't think you want to go into round 17 and 18 with zero trades. Yeah, that 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 was kind of 
the um, cul-de-sac I was going down and the fact that you do these trades, you're, you know, are you guaranteeing yourself that you're going to stay at 21 premiums for the remainder of the year and you're going to have that rookie in, in your forward line as a Rosie or someone like that? Is that, is that what you're, you're kind of working with? Yeah, I think that's kind of how I'm going to go about it. I mean, TBD, obviously, someone could be rested and that changes my all my decisions um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. But that's that's kind of the plan that I'll yeah. be heading towards this season. I'm, I'm not going to spend all of them to finish my side. I think you're playing a dangerous game if that's if that's what your plan is. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And so um, it's going to work, you know, you could spend those three trades and turn Rosie... Uh, into a Petrarca, for example, you spend all your cash, spend all your trades, and then suddenly you've got two donuts in uh, in round 18 as they rest a couple of players and you've got no cover. And then all those points you've made up by upgrading is just completely evaporated. So uh, I can appreciate that. I think I, I'm in a, a different boat that I'll have three trades remaining when I finalize my 22 premiums. I, I, I've, uh, I'll have the ability to... Um, to, to have a couple left over when it's fully upgraded. I think the the it's absolutely vital that we um, hold some trades, as you say. But I, I do think that there's kind of like a tipping point between um, if you've got a Rosie on field that you know has the potential and has shown the potential to go three figures is completely different to having the likes of uh, you know a close um, or a, a Wicks or a Butts on field as that. 22nd player as a rookie that's going to be playing every every week. I think there, there's a differentiation that needs to be made is that it's not necessarily a rookie for you. It's just someone that's really, um, you know, severely discounted that you're looking at, you know, maybe snagging a good score in the back end of the year. So, Chizo, mm-hmm. if you do have three trades and you're going into rounds, let's say 17, you've got a fully premium side, are you going to plan on spending them to maybe optimize some of your underperforming premiums? So let's say a Doherty, would he be somebody that you're willing to then upgrade at that back into the year? Or are you purely going to just hold them out in case of like laid outs, restings? You know, again, we only get team news the day before now. So how conservative do you go with those trades? Well, I'll have around 16, 17 and 18 to navigate with three trades remaining. Um, so I probably won't be... Um, looking at trying to optimize with those because I think it's going to be important to at least hold two. And Doherty at only 400k uh, and, you know, is probably going to reduce uh, a little bit more. I'm going to need two or three trades to be able to turn him into someone um, beneficial. Even if I find 50 or 80k, I'm just not going to be able to do that um, in one trade as I'm looking to use the remaining salary cap I have in getting points on the field. Um, So I can appreciate what you're trying to do in saying, um, you know, try and turn that D6, that F6, that M8 into a more kind of uber premium that's going to separate you a little bit more. I just think I'm just, I've done well to get a full allotment of premiums across the field. uh, And that's just kind of what I'm sticking with. Like I'm picking these players, assuming I won't have the chance to upgrade, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can see it this happening now. People are going to go into that final round with a trade and just like hold it all the way into like the last match of the rounds. And then they're going to be like, all right, there's no like changes. So I guess I'll just use my trade. And they'll do what JB did last season where he traded out Matt Crouch, I think it was, for Dustin Martin. And Crouch outscored him by like 30 yeah. or 40 points. Yeah. And he just lost points for the trade anyway. So I guess if you're in that situation, you don't need to trade. Um, you, you can just... 
in the season with a trade. You know, bank it for next, bank it for 2021. That's how it works, right? Yeah. I I mean, like, if you know that someone's going to get tagged, you can, you know, fixture, if you've got a determined, you know, fixture match, uh, do something like that. But if you're just gambling with it and just going, oh, this guy will probably score more, hopefully, then, you know, I I probably wouldn't be doing that. I'd be, um, I'm I'm not going to have the cash in the bank at the end with three trades remaining. And to generate anything to upgrade anyone, I'm going to burn through them anyway. So I'm just kind of stuck with what I've got. Chizo, I think the next uh, important topic to discuss this week has been uh, a lot of people talking about Lockie Neal uh, after his 72 in particular and a, a, Get rid a of him. break even of 219. <laughs> I can see you laughing in the background, but what are your, <laughs> what are your actual thoughts on, on Lockie Neal? And is he somebody that you would tr- consider trading this week? I, I can see the appeal. Uh, you want to know why? It's because just like what you're saying is that people are going to be really struggling in round, you know, with the buyers in any particular round. And they're seeing him at 700K and they're going, kind of like what we did with Max Gorm when we got, uh, excuse me, Nat Nui in not that long ago, is being able to redistribute that cash around. So I can appreciate what they're trying to do. The problem is you then have to go four rounds without Lockie Neal. And, you know, it's very recency biased to say, oh, he got 72, he let me down, you know, whatever. But the problem, you know, the fact of the matter is he's the best player in Supercoach in 2020 and he more often than not has not let us down when it's come to a captaincy option. And particularly this week, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, picking a VC and a C is going to be incredibly difficult this week. <laughs> and it's it's just nice to know that you have Neil in your side because you've got that kind of, even if it's a VC early on the round, hey, if he puts out a 72 next time, you know, at least then you're not relying on him. You can you can try again, but I I, I think it's understated how important he's going to be for the run home, particularly with being able to use in the captaincy situation. I want to say, if you're playing for overall, I absolutely hate any idea that involves removing Lockie Neal. Strongly, I don't think it makes any sense at all. Um, and I'll, I'll back that up in a sec. But just where you were talking about Max Gorn and the situ- situation and and what we did to flip him. It's so different, the current situation with Lockie Neal. Max Gorn was injured. He was playing restricted. He had a PCL and a shoulder injury. He's still not back. So he actually actively missed rounds. But even when we thought, oh, yeah, he's going to play, we're like, well, he's probably going to be heavily restricted as well. And we don't expect him to maintain his current average. Whereas Lockie Neal is averaging 140, and there's really no reason why he can't average 140 when he comes back after the bye for the rest of the season. And not just that, round 14 is not a hard buy to get 18 players. Round yeah. 15 is the hard buy. That's where you want Lockie Neal. You want him next week, and then you want him round 16, and you want him round 17, and you want him round 18. All of those weeks. Yes, I can understand... If you're going for league and round 15 doesn't count and you you in an elimination final or whatever it is this week and you need to win or you're you're in a pre or whatever it's qualifying and you need to win to be able to skip the round 16 by, I can understand trading him out. But you're going to want him to cut back in your side for round 17, 18 because otherwise your opponent's going to captain him against you in the grand final or the semi-final, and you're probably going to lose then because he's the best player in the game on track for the best ever Supercoach season. That's not a unique that you want to have against you, Chizo. Well, going for overall, I can't recommend getting rid of him for leagues. I can understand. 
I know you're going to know this, but humour me for the sake of it, Pistol. How many times has Lockie Neal gone sub 130 in 2020? Just be twice. You've yeah. only done it once before this round and now, you know, obviously this round. But, but not just that. People that want to trade him out, I see all over the place trading him to Josh Kelly you know, to save 90K. There's, there's a couple of problems I have with that. One, I mean, Josh Kelly needs to make it through the condensed fixtures, and I'm still iffy on that. Josh Kelly's he had a really good week last week and looked fantastic, but it's not like he's had an unbelievable season as well. You're not you're not trading him to a premium that's like anywhere near the caliber of Lockie Neal currently. I mean, he's averaging 140. And then I can see people then wanting to trade at round 15 someone like Bontempelli or McRae or, or Duncan back to Neal for round 15. He he won't have dropped in price, Shizo. He's got to buy this week. So you're still paying 698k to buy him back for round 15 or not have him at all for round 15. And the problem then is you've just wasted a trade going Lockie Neal down, someone else up, rather than just Duncan to Kelly. Like yeah. if you want Kelly that badly, just trade the other premium to Kelly and and hold Lockie Neal this week because he's going to, even with the extra game, because of the best 18 and this week not being very hard to have 18 premiums on the field, you're not actually gaining any points in overall at all. Yeah, and you're and, likely going to lose points. And, and let me tell you a scenario that we see all too often and it always happens before it's too late. It's that we'll trade Lockie Neal for 700k and get Josh Kelly for 600. You've got 100k left over and you go, oh, what am I going to do that? I'll upgrade someone using that 100k. And then next week, you're going to try and get Lockie Neal back. You don't have the 100k anymore. You've got to get it from somewhere. And so we're going to be like desperately like downgrading Rivers from 180k to a rookie, and that gets you 60. And then okay, let's find another one we can get 40k from. And then suddenly you've burnt through three trades just trying to get Neil back. Yeah, or you're doing a rookie to a non-playing 102k player, and you've cost yourself an extra player next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's just so many ways where it's not worth it at all if you're playing for overall to trade Lockie Neil. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, so, I mean, unless you have less than 18 this week, but I can't imagine a situation where people are struggling that hard this week with only two players, that two teams having a bye, and, you know, not being able to get 18. Well, I'll put it to you this way. There is going to be a unique team out there that, for some reason, this week is struggling. They just really like um, Brisbane players, and they've picked, like, Witherden when he had his run. They've got Jared Lyons as a, as a point of difference. And maybe they're, they're down on a few premiums. I would be trading any one of those before Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal might be the most expensive, but if you're short on premiums this week, he's the last one that has the buy this week that I'd be getting rid of. Lockie, Jared Lyons is going to drop a lot of money as well. <laughs> so if it's a it's money an example. Thing, it's an no, example. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying they're, they're dropping. There's always somebody that's worthwhile dropping more than, than Lockie Neal, I think. Um, so I think we've covered that one, Cheeso. <laughs> emphatically yeah. yeah i absolutely love it mate um I, I suppose this week is um akin to buys in previous years as it's like you know the first week um of the buys where we would usually say hey let's not trade um because you're going to be trading in someone that's got to have the buy that's not the same this year do you still use this the you know this period of time um 
to you know have a, a, a do all of your trading this week, burn through three trades um, to bring people in? Uh, and do you have any aversions to say bringing someone in that has the round sixteen buy that that might be an upgrade in your team this week if you've got. 18 other premiums in that that following week i think we've touched on it previously but do you have any anything uh, you know any reasons why you wouldn't want to bring someone any rent that has the round 16 buy to come yeah i'm glad you you mentioned that we did mention that last week but a lot of people i think um it either falls on deaf ears or people disagree whatever the reason is i'm still going to repeat what we said last week and that's in round 16 if you have more than 18 premium players already playing, a lot of people just have Grundy as the only player missing or have Grundy and Dusty. You can bring in another premium and you'll still have 18 premium scores. Um, and, you know, if you drop out a premium score out of your best 18, um, you know, a premium score for a rookie, I get it, you know, that's whatever, 50, 60 points. But if you have 19 premium players, you're going to drop out a premium score there's going to be no point. Dif- there's no points lost by having, you know, an extra premium or a less premium or one less premium um, in one fewer premium, I should say, in uh, the round of six- in round sixteen. So, I think people are unfairly ruling out players like Maynard, um, who are good options at their price for the rest of the year because he hasn't had his buy yet. But I think it's not a bad thing. You know when his buy is coming, so he's not going to have any surprise restings. He scores well. He's going to be playing in round 15. Um, yeah, I, th- I think those players are definitely viable options uh, if for your team you don't have... that. Sorry, if for your team you already have 18 premium players that week, I think it's not bad at all to, to get more players in that buy. Yeah, and so uh, to to put it in perspective, maybe you didn't have Dustin Martin this year, and you know you see he's got a five round average of 122 uh, with 240 plus scores in the last five weeks. There's nothing to say you can't bring him in this week because he hadn't had his buy. Because unlike previous years where we only have 13 or 14 premiums to pick from, by round 16 you should either have um, you know. 22 on-field premiums or, you know, 21 in your case, Pistol. And so if you have three people that are missing that round, it doesn't matter because you're going to get him for this week, you're going to get him for next week. When he has his buy, another premium takes his place in the best 18 and then you have him back for 17 and 18 anyway. So uh, I, I see a few discussions about that saying, oh, you never bring anyone who, who hasn't had their buy or, or you know, I, I'm a big proponent of trying to bring in people that have had their buy because then they're available for every round. But hey, if you don't, you know, maybe you only have Grundy and you want to finish off your, your forward line and you want to pick up Dusty, there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't just because he hasn't had his buy. It's all in the grand scheme of things, the whole entire structure of his side. And I think that sums it up really well, Piston. Yeah, I think you, you spoke about it well there. I think uh, a better example, so I don't have Dusty, but if I was to bring in a forward premium, you know, at the same price, Andy Brayshaw, for example, who's averaging more than Dusty or, you know, in the same five-round average, he has no buy at all. So, obviously, mm. I, I would lean towards the player that has no buy, um, and that's fine. But if I look in the back line, and I'm trying to pick a sub-500K player, I see Maynard at 491, and then I see, you know, Saad at 480. And just because Saad doesn't have a buy actually doesn't mean that he's going to outscore Maynard for the rest of the season for, you know, points on my field. That's right. Be- because Maynard's probably going to outscore him every time he plays. So every time Maynard plays, you'd be gaining points on side. And that gap, I would, I would guess, is actually 
going to be more than that extra game that Saad plays in a round of best 18. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, um, Saad's a, a good example because they're similar price. I, I don't think it's likely that Saad's going to be in your 19th, 20th, or 21st best player in any given round uh, during this buy period, but it absolutely holds water, that argument, because uh, if you're picking between someone that is scoring significantly higher but has a buy in the future, they could absolutely outscore someone that hasn't had the buy. So I think I think that's an extremely important and, and commonly overlooked point that um, I, I think wraps it up really, really well. Uh, jumping into the next section, Pistol, uh, uh, we get asked every week, who's the rookie to go for? Do we go for this one, this one, or this one? I've got three that I'm going to shoot at you, Pistol. I'd love to know your thoughts. We've got Mozzie from Essendon, uh, who scored 77 uh, with a couple goals in the dream time. Riccardi from uh, GWS, who looked really good, and O'Neill from West Coast. What are your thoughts on the rookie downgrade options this week? Well, I hate trusting GWS rookies, and very mm. often we've pulled away from them, um, you know, this season and in the past because of the, the pure games that they play with their team sheet. But Riccardi took 10 marks in his first AFL game. That is absolutely outstanding. And that bodes well for his scoring potential as well. And we've spoken before about how great GWS's run is. Although I should say with the form, with their current form, every game's going to be a little bit tougher. But he, for me... 82 on debut, I think he's going to be a moneymaker. He's potentially somebody that I don't mind fielding if he's going to be, you know, keeping up, um, you know, similar stats as his first game. So I think for me, he is probably the pick of the lot. Mosquito, it looks fantastic, but, you know, he has to kick two goals to score 60 points. Mm. Um, I just can't see that happening every week. And we know as well that Essendon's run home is is really tough and I don't even know if he plays out the rest of the season cheese I mean he looks super lively but on the back end of you know a couple of big losses I'm not sure he holds I mean that Hawthorne this week is fine but West Coast Geelong Port Adelaide Melbourne to end the season I think they're likely all losses and uh yeah he's not somebody that I feel confident saying that he's going to make it until round 18 I mean Riccardi I don't either but when he plays I feel like I'm gonna get more points yeah, I I think with Mosquito, I'm just not sure that he plays out the rest of the season, just as you said. Uh, from an uh, Essendon supporter standpoint, I thought he was really good. He um, had some really good moments, but they were a bit too few and far between in terms of what we want as super coach players. Um, and so that 77 looks great, uh, but I would definitely be leaning towards Riccardi just based on the role and the style of play that he has. He doesn't rely on kicking Essendon's one goal for the half to, to score any points. Uh, your thoughts on O'Neill from West Coast? Um, I, I think I can easily sum this up that I just haven't had any faith in West Coast rookies similar to, to GWS. And so when faced with the scenario of two teams um, that I'm not super keen on their rookies, I'd be picking the one that had the better role and scoring potential, and that was Riccardi for me. Yeah, I, I would be picking Riccardi over O'Neill, but I think people are pretty quick to dismiss him. I mean... I think what is it, Redden and Yo are both injured at this point in time, so there's spots in their side just due to injuries um, at the moment. So I don't think he's someone I'd like to go on after one game, but you know if he makes it through the next game and is named in round 15 and you've got the cash, then I think it's okay. You know you want to pick him for that week because I mean honestly he looked all right. He scored 59. He wasn't like a, a sub 40 performance. So. If you need that extra player in uh, round eighteen, in round uh, fifteen, sorry, then um, I think 
he's fine, but I, I just I wouldn't jump too early on him. Okay, man. I think that wraps it up really well. We might as well jump into probably the most difficult part of this round for me, and that's choosing some captaincy options. <laughs> Um, I, 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 coming off the back of uh, of Neil seventy two, I, I I've got to admit I had the VC on McRae all the, basically all week, and I just was not stirred. And then about an hour before you know lockout of the very first game uh, of the round, I was having a look around. I was like, you know what, I might you know I'm so confident in Neil, I'm going to take a flyer on Oliver. He's got a five round average of one hundred and fifty six. Why not? Uh, and you know, it is what it is. I ended up ended up with Neil, uh, but what could have been? Um, McRae plays the third game of the round. Uh, is he going to be looking towards your VC option, or do you find someone before him that could be a good choice? So this week, I really like the looks of Tom Mitchell against Essendon. I mean, Tom Mitchell, it's no secret in the last couple of weeks, he's just looked better and better, uh, much closer to his 2018 form. So I think for me, um, putting the VC on him, hoping he scores enough to be able to take, which this week without Neil, you probably need to reconsider your captaincy thresholds. I think I'll take probably anything above 120 this week. But gee, after Tom Mitchell, it is a rough run of captaincy options, Chizo. There's no one that stands out to me as like must pick uh, or must put the VC on. Obviously, McRae is probably my next favorite, even though he does play Geelong. You know, he's just a scoring machine. But otherwise, I don't like the looks of Oliver just because of, you know, potential what happened to Neil last Steel. week. Where they, yeah, they, well, Seb Ross, they sat on Neil as well, and I think that might potentially happen again. Lloyd, who's in that amazing form, plays against Port, which is one of his worst teams that he scores against. So I don't like the the looks of that. Adelaide but, Oval as well, which isn't going to help. Yeah, I, it's a tough round. I, I think Grundy um, against Carlton is a good matchup on paper, but Grundy's current form leaves a lot to be desired. I'm not sure I would f- have the balls to just slap the C on him straight up and expect a big game, although it is tempting, and I might actually go there just because of lack of other options, Shizu, but... Otherwise, Paddy Cripps against Collingwood has scored well in the past, and I think uh, twenty twenty is not really his year, though. <laughs> I just think it's likely Collingwood get done, and uh, yeah. I think Cripps could score well in a, a Carlton victory over Collingwood. You know the extra motivation. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw one to you. What about Steele against Melbourne? Yeah, I did consider Steele as well. I think he's probably a good option, but. I mean, I was going to say, I, I I didn't really consider him last week because Brisbane have a, a good midfield, and now they play Melbourne, who've got a bloody good midfield. So if he could score that well last week, there's no reason he can't score that well this week. But it does feel a bit uncomfortable knowing that Gorn's going to be coming back and giving silver service to uh, the other midfielders and still might be chasing tail the whole the whole match. Yeah, that's true. So I, I guess to surmise... Uh, easy VC on Titch if you've got him. Uh, that'll be really good against Essendon. Leading into someone like A. McRae against... Uh, he does play well at, at Metricon as well, even though it's usually against Gold Coast. And then someone like a a, a Steel uh, or even a Cripps later on in the round would be a good C option if your VC fails. Are, are, are you are pretty happy with that? Um, with the finish off the podcast as I trip 
over my words here, Pistol, is we're going to jump into some questions from the Slack channel, podcast questions. Um, we've got some good ones here to go through. Every single week, they put in way too many that we can read through on the podcast. So they almost need their own you know, their own entire <laughs> podcast by themselves. But you've picked out a select couple that you really, really like that you want to go through. Yeah, we've, we've answered a lot of them just as we've been chatting, Chizo, but there's a couple of really, really good questions. I'm going to ask one uh, from TP. He says, would you consider sacrificing Draper early if it got you an Uber premium on field for this week? And, and Draper is your R3. That's a good, good question. Um, I would say if it was your final upgrade, because right now the rookies that we have generating cash for us all suck all have high break evens <laughs> you know i say high break even so we've got a break even at 20 and we're not sure if they're going to make it like uh cameron did last week he, he, never mind um so if it's your last upgrade and you don't foresee yourself needing any more cash in the near future to either bringing in a final premium to finish your side or to upgrade Doherty uh to a ridley for example let's say then I can see an ex- you know a, a reason why you would do that. However, if you foresee that there are sections of your side that will definitely need attention and you need extra cash, you're not done finishing your side, you're not done, you're not finished, I would not go early on him because he's the only one that we can be you know certain is going to get us some more cash if he plays. Um, projected score of 83 this week will give him 46k. Uh, and you know that that's that's kind of money that we're just not making with any rookies this in, in, this late in the season. Yeah, that's a fair call, Chizo. I think uh, the only thing that you need to consider is the player that you're buying. Um, you know, if Draper's going to go up forty six k, and the player that you're going to bring in is going to go up twenty k, um, you know, you're only losing twenty k then. So for me, it's heavily dependent on the player that you're going to bring in. But I am generally. Overall, assuming you don't need like four premiums to finish your team, but if we're talking, you've got one or two left. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even even two. So even if you've you know had to you know, let's say you've got twenty, you need two more. Uh, I I would consider culling him early because you get playing for overall. Of course, you get more points on the field earlier, and uh, you know when you get it earlier, you get more points overall. So um, for me, I've I've got no issues culling him early. But if you're trading him for somebody that's projected to go down in price and it's going to be like a 60k swing then you got to start considering whether or not whether or not it's worth it but again which other depends on which other rookies you have on your bench like um cheese i'm not sure you have woodcock but he's making quite a bit of money at the moment so if you have him he seems to be a, yeah, a good extra cash, cash I, spurt. I am a little bit biased because draper's my ticket to getting uh a five for a, a kelly at m8 as my as my final midfield upgrade so um, that's where I'm coming from with that. I, I, I want to squeeze out every drop I can. So Benny Buzzboy has asked a question, a, a, more of a league question rather than overall question. So you've got to change your mindset with this answer, Chizo. Uh, he wants to know if it's worthwhile bringing in premiums who will play in round 15, even though it's not a league matchup, game, matchup week. Um and risk that they will be rested in round 16 and 18. So obviously he's talking about bringing in premiums that have already had their buys. So like a nit nat, for example. Yeah, well, we could you could it could be from any position. So um, you know, it could be. An but Andy he's Brayshaw. an example. <laughs> it is an example. It could be and Andy Brayshaw, Walters, whatever it might be. 
Or is it worthwhile bringing in players who have the round 15 buy because you'll know when they're going to be rested and you'll know that, okay, round 15, they're going to be rested and therefore they'll be available to play in your elimination match in round 14 and they'll be able to play in round 16 as well in your other finals match. I think it's a really easy one for me. If you're playing for league, you really shouldn't care about round 15 because it's a complete free hit. So if you need them in round 14 to get you through a qualifier, bring them in. And then you're going to have them for the remainder of the season because they're going to have a rest. Players like Danger, I can't see missing any of 16, 17 or 18 because they've already got a buy in between round 18 and the first round of the finals anyway. So they're going to have two weeks off in the next month. So they're not going to yep. get they're not they're, they're not going to get rested. So I would 100% um, throw round 15 if you're not going for rank. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think you know I, I'd love um, to pick a player that's going to play for the rest of the season. But if I'm playing for league, I'm picking someone on purpose with the round 15 by knowing that they're going to play around 16, 17 and 18 as well. So I think that's spot on there. Chizo. Cool. Um, next question. I am. It's, it's from, uh, I, uh, I've, I've, I've mispronounced the name. Um, triple eight. He says, basically he's trying to save trades um, is it worth spending an extra trade to get somebody like Maynard or should he cheap out and get somebody like Stephen May instead? That is a great question. So you could apply that to a bunch of situations. Yeah. Uh, basically, is it worth... We're not talking about a Rosie versus a Maynard. We're just talking about somebody a little bit cheaper. I guess you could say like... Uh, if it's like a side. Line, I, I think, I think, May, I think isn't uh, May going about 95? Yeah, May's on a hot streak at the moment. I think he's got a 10-round average of like 95. And is it worthwhile using an extra trade to get someone going 105? And I guess I could say the same in the forward line, where is it, is it worthwhile getting like a Jack Martin or is it worthwhile paying up for a Dusty Martin, you know, um, if it costs you an extra trade? How, how do you feel about that? Um, I actually like it. So I'm having a look. He's got a lowest. He's only gone under 90 once since round four. And that was admittedly a 36 against North. Um, but other than that, he's had one, two, three, four, five tons and three in the 90s. So uh, Stephen May is actually a good call. I've been, um, I wouldn't say eyeing him off, but just one that I've, I've kept an eye on over the, over the stretches when I was looking to, to finalize my defense. I actually probably would pick him over a Maynard because he's still quite cheap. He's still in the low 400s because you can use that cash. Uh, if, if he's your final upgrade in your defense, it's like a, a D5, D6. You can use that cash to kind of finalize your side because, as you say, I, I'm definitely biased because that's the strategy I'm going with. I'm, I'm, picking, <laughs> I'm picking a Zach Williams. I'm picking a Jack Martin and using the cash to get an M8 like Fife that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, so I, I agree with that strategy. Um, I know... There's a couple of uh, asterisks, and it's that I assume with the money saved or extra trade that you're going to spend it upgrading your side. You're not just going to keep it for no reason, or like yeah. you know, just yep. have four trades for the rest of the season. Like if you if you're banking that extra trade, I, I hope that it's being used to get rid of an underperforming premium um, during the buy rounds, or you know, be able to increase the point scoring value of your side. Um, so that and and I'd also assume that it's not your final upgrade um, and that you're going to make good use of that trade, you know, yes. putting it back back onto your field. But yeah, then I, then I definitely agree. Um, Chizo, 
This question, um, I'm just going to ask it kind of in my, my own way. Basically, uh, Bainsey, uh, Jigsaw FC, says, uh, Rankin's my last rookie on the field. I'm looking at upgrading, but budget is tight. Do you think Jack Martin is a good shout, a.k.a. what are the value options you're looking for at sub 450K? I'm just going to extend that to saying uh, across each line, given we've already spoken about them in the last question. Oh, God. So, I don't remember everyone off by heart for sub... 150 450k uh I'll, I'll start with jack martin absolutely um is someone that we should be considering for our side i think that i think you even brought him in last week didn't you pistol or you convinced someone i think you've convinced yeah. Wushka to bring him in or someone like that uh, yes he didn't come to team cheeso captain he went to team pistol captain i don't That's know you get good advice there, there's a <laughs> there's an off-season trade brewing there's a uh, <laughs> uh trade Deal. period swap um yeah jack martin he's had a, a really good year uh, obviously had that injury affected 18 you take that out he basically hasn't had um a score below he's had one score below 70 or something for the year so uh other than that so i i, I am really really happy with picking someone like that and this ties into the may conversation completely um that if your money's tight and you're looking for someone that you need to upgrade to, I'd be definitely picking these value guys that are that have an injury affected game, uh, like the 18 he had recently, and he's reduced in price um, because he, he's he's definitely underpriced as we speak, and he's going to be someone that's you know that we could easily round out a side with, and I don't mind it. Uh, in terms of, um, I'm hoping maybe you've opened up to see <laughs> who's under 450k. Sort. For the mid, for the midfielders, are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, go for it. Go. For I mean, sort by mid- price. Sort by price. Hold on. Field I was going to say midfielders are a little bit more tricky. I, I feel like maybe we should up. What the, midfielder uh, is four hundred and fifty k? Yeah, that, let's say under five hundred. I'm, I'm making it up as we go, Chizo. So forgive me for not being uh, super fair. Maisie doesn't get his question Fancy. asked properly at all. Okay, no. So I'll, I'll just, <laughs> it's Marshall. Marshall says. Um, he asks, are there any bottom price premiums we should be targeting to finish outside? So we can mm. combine those those questions into one if that makes you feel any better. Go. All right. Oh, um, you, you want me to go? No. Or you, or you? Uh, I'm, I'm sorting by 450K. Um, I, I can... Harris Andrews, help. Stephen May. Wait, I bet my boy Hearn that I shout every week. He's I thought got we were to, doing midfielders. He's got to be... Un- What's no, going st- on? you start on the defense. Yeah, he's under 400K. Oh this is madness. Um... But the thing is, you you're not going to get absolute top premium, so you're going to find someone that um, has the potential. And so, someone like Hearn, who's had a terrible year, I wouldn't be looking at. I'd be looking at someone that's underpriced, um, uh, like a May in, in the defense. That um, can I can I just year. say one that's completely you can go out midfield, there. go midfield, mate. I know you're just I'm itching go for it out there. Um, I'm going to keep to the 450k mark for no reason. Brad Shepard, um, Mark Murphy is 427k which is incredibly cheap um look he's not the best pick you pay for what you know he's 427k what can you expect but he does have a three round average of 106 and you know collingwood gws sydney adelaide in his next four you know is pretty appealing um otherwise if you can just afford a little bit more, I'm, I'm going through all the Carlton players at the moment, but uh, Will Setterfield himself has a three-round average of 108, a five-round average of 98. So he's basically just picked it up um, this season again with that easy draw, but 
I mentioned him last week in Sam Walsh. He did come in just with a 98, but you know his last six games have been outstanding, and he's only a touch over 500. So if you can spare that much, you know you're going for the Walshes or the Bokes. Um, they're just that much better than all of these other options. Yeah, I, I guess one that you could consider um, might be at 480k is an Andrew Gaff if you're really strapped in the midfield. Average for the year of 102, three-round average of 99, five-round average of 99. He just basically gives the same thing week in, week out. He's not going to be a 160 any given week, but um, strapped for cash, you you just got to pick who you can afford. Yeah, I think we got asked about David Mundy a bit during the week at 475k. Um, you know, five-round average of 107, a three-round average of 108. Yeah, he's scoring really well, but at his age, Chizo. <sighs> A short Doris, turnaround between Doris, all of these where games. Did you put my dentures? <laughs> How, do you expect him realistically to be able to play all of these games in the condensed fixtures? I, I, based on Monday's history, I have no reason to think that he won't play the rest of the condensed fixtures. But I can tell you, he'd be one of the first that gets rested should they choose to try and. Um, not tank, but not win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no. To, to try and manage their way through the, the end of the season, he would be one of the first, uh, well, not one of the first, but one, uh, the, one of the leading candidates, let's say, for a rest um, with so many young um, you know, players that they have to replace him. Um, I, I, that, that's the one thing that concerns me. It's the same. I'd have the, the exact same thing um, picking anyone, um, you know, I kind of see it the same way as like a you know Gary Abbott for example. He's a terrible example, but you know someone that's um, got you know is a little bit older, has good scoring potential, good history, um, could be worth a flyer. But I just no trades, and at the end of the year, it's just it's too concerning for me that um, that there might be a rest, and that'll be the worst thing. You know, it hates we hate getting injuries, but the worst thing that getting is a rest and then copping a donut from that. That would really suck. Yep. Uh, for those going for league only, I think it's pretty clear Boke at 513k uh, at that price is going to be the best option. You know, he's averaged 106 this season and his finals draw is uh, Sydney, North Melbourne, Essendon, Collingwood. Essentially a dr- dream finals run. Get him in. Yeah, so I think uh, he, he's somebody for those that are playing for league only. Cheers, I'm going to ask three more questions. Yes. Um, the the Dirty Devon asks, uh, with only five rounds left, is it worth rolling the dice on injury-prone players like Josh Kelly and Fife, or should we stick with the plan of targeting more durable players like Zach Merritt? This is a great question, because this is. is what I've been preaching all year. Um, I really, really believe that the strategy of playing durable players is going to be extremely important at the end of the year um, because, again, it's just at the start of the year, you want to pick someone like Fife and hope he plays the first 10 rounds and averages 140. That's a risk worth taking. Um, and, it, you know, it's probably um, if you've got a couple of trades up your sleeve and it's part of your plan that you're bringing him in knowing that there's an absolute possibility that he gets um, he, he has a soft tissue injury uh, towards the back end of the year, he's, or he's already had one this year. If it's part of your plan and you've got a trade set aside for that player specifically, I can see why you would do that because the scoring potential at the back end of the year is incredible. But what I've been doing all year 
is just picking really durable, consistent, known commodities that uh, you know I'm not taking too many flies on. And to this point in time, it's held me in really good stead because it's kept a few trades up my sleeve that I haven't had the sideways premiums. And I'm going to continue that towards the end of the year. Um, and you know, it, I'd be a bit hypocritical if I said, you know, just trade in whoever you want. But you know, that's a strategy that I firmly believe has helped me this year and has brought me as high the rankings that I am. It's it's interesting, Chizo, because Josh Kelly, for example, has only missed one match for the whole season, and he scored really well. And obviously, people want to get him in because he's so scoring he's due well. for one. You reckon? No, <laughs> not not suggesting that, but. <laughs> It just goes to show, obviously, every year is different. Um, I I would still feel... I feel like Josh Kelly is a great player to bring in in terms of his fixture run, his scoring potential for the rest of the year. But it doesn't mean that there's less risk in and, and ch- I guess less chance of him missing a game just because there's five matches left. If there was a 5% chance you know, every match for him to miss out, there's still five games and... I. I in condensed fixtures as well, oh, I'd feel I just feel so uncomfortable um, banking on him to play every match. I, I guess I feel a bit better knowing that he that GWS need to win to make finals, so he has something to play for. So mm. in the comparison between him and Fife, I feel like Frio don't necessarily have anything to play for. So if they want to just stick Fife forward for the whole game and just mess around a little bit and Which they play have their been doing. youth. Yeah, play their youth in the middle, then they they can do that. So I would stay away from Fife. But if I if I'm picking somebody, I think Kelly's got the potential to explode. And if you're if you're chasing overall, I, I definitely don't mind um, that option. I think um, it's fine, but it, it comes at a risk. Like all these, these you know you you know what you're doing when you're selecting him. You just have to be prepared that. You know, don't do it with your last trade. <laughs> do it when you've got three trades and twenty-two premiums. I feel like that seems what much wiser than you know zero trades in the bank and it's your final premium that you're bringing into your side. Yeah, no. Cheeso, second last one. We've got a question from Marcus. He says, "When is the right week to bring in Max Gorn? Is it as soon as possible, or when he bottoms out?" I, I honestly think round one, twenty twenty-one, is going to be a really good. Uh, a really good time to bring him in because he's going to slow down at the end of this year and he's going to be discounted, so that'll be great. Um, I would like to see a couple weeks of form. Like if he comes out and makes and scores one fifty this year, uh, this week, fine. Um, but the thing is, by the time that his break even settles out, it's going to be like one round left to the end of the season anyway. So you've got to decide whether you want him or not. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I mean, if you wait for him to bottom out, that's round that's, 18. That's the end of the year. Yeah. Look, Chizo, I'm going to make a big call. I'm going to say you don't want him round one, 2021. I mean, that's probably a discussion for another podcast. Whoa. Um, he's averaged 141. I don't think he can change his average significantly enough before the end of the year where he becomes... Good enough value. Ah, pump out four eighties in a row. We're sweet. Oh, I'm not sure, and and, and I, I would question: Is he even durable enough? Now that we've talked about durability, 
if you want a Ruckman to play 22 games and you don't have to worry about your R3 slot and, you know, finding these Drapers or Riley O'Briens to save your butt when they get rested or miss a week, is Gorn the player that you're banking on to play 22 games? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Very interesting. Anyway, I, I, I know we can talk about this later. But it, it, it's, it's a very important point because this year I don't think we can bank on him playing the remain. I, I think what we've seen is that he's still going to be carrying something. If uh, Melbourne had any sense about him, they'd be you know trying not to do permanent damage. And so there's every chance he gets managed towards the back end of the year anyway. So um, a, a little too touchy for mine. But if he goes back-to-back 150s and you like the look of him and you want to back yourself in, then you can go for it. Yeah, look, I, I think Melbourne are going to be in the hunt for finals, so I think if he's fit enough that they'll play him because they are desperate to make finals. But if the situation occurs where they're ruled out of finals, there is 0% chance Max Gwan takes to the field. He's going in for that, I assume, surgery that he probably needs. Um, so I would suggest that there's a lot of risk in the Max Gwan selection. It's... Uh, if it was my team and I had the money to do it, I don't think I would be spending it on Max Gorn. I would be investing it in in other players. I'd, yeah. I'd much rather get um, a Kelly. He's not going to we be cheap enough, about. fast enough. That's the thing. Yeah, and I get that he can score really well. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do it when he's restricted. And I'd love for him to prove me wrong, but I, I would really be surprised. And you know, add, adding up all the risks, they still have to play like every five games in those condensed fixtures, and he's injured. Yeah, like it just screams not a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheeso, last question uh, from Al. He says, "Is Luke Ryan too expensive now with Frio about to leave Perth, and is his ceiling worth it over the guys like Haynes and Maynard and Sard?" Well, you, you're asking, do you want the Lockie Neal at the back line? Uh, the ceiling is that's Lloyd. <laughs> the, the 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 ceiling is fantastic. You know, like there, there's only a, a couple players that um, in, in 2020 can do what he's been doing. Everyone is concerned about him leaving Perth. Yeah, that's a factor. Um, but, you know, I don't see him suddenly dropping down to 100 average for the remainder of the year just because he's not in Perth. I, c- I can tell you that playing in Cairns, he's going to be absolutely mopping it up in Kazali. So um, I, I, I wouldn't be deterred if you think he can keep this average up for the rest of the year, uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with him. Pistol, you probably think he's a bit too expensive? Well, let me put it to you this way. In f- in his last four matches, he's played Collingwood, Hawthorne, Carlton, Sydney. They're, they are the teams with almost the most dysfunctional forward lines in the entire competition. No, he played I, Essendon I, in round one. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't score well either. But yeah, look... He, those those four teams, I, I would expect him to score really well. And he did, don't get me wrong. He absolutely smashed it against those four sides. The teams that he's coming up now, GWS, Richmond, Melbourne, North Melbourne, Bulldogs, I would say there's three good fixtures, maybe two. I'm, I'm just not sure. I, I, I don't think he's going to be worth the price tag over someone like Haynes. I think he's definitely worth it over somebody like Saad and probably still worth it over someone like Maynard. But Haynes and 100K when GWS have that draw, I think Haynes Mm. probably goes 110 average. Uh, Luke Ryan, probably 115, 120. But that extra 100K probably goes a long way in upgrading your side. I, I would 
strongly consider um, passing on him for somebody that's cheaper, but not somebody like Saad. I think there's a big difference between somebody who's consistently getting you 95s and Luke Ryan compared to someone with upside of 110 like, like Haynes. Yeah, so he's got a lower score of 100 since round four. Um, so obviously he hasn't... He's gone, what, eight straight games by turning up. Um, yeah, so that, 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 that's, that's all in Perth, it's un, it's un, Yeah, it's undeniably good, though. Um, and two of those were at Metricon Stadium as well. So he hasn't done it exclusively at, at in Perth. He's probably got in a really good rhythm. Um, he's got one more game at Optus Stadium. Um, the two games at Metricon... Uh, where he's gone 109 and 105 in his last two. So that's three of his last four games. Uh, we don't know round 18, and round 16's at Kazali's up here, which is going to be really humid. Um, so there's there's absolutely every reason to, to expect that he's going to go well. The only thing that kind of jumps out at me is that North have been doing a little bit of a tagging role, a, a forward tagging role on, on opposition defenders. So there's every chance that um, they send someone to him that's, you know, he's been so dominant this year, round 17, the prelim final of, of league, he uh, he might get a little bit of attention, which uh, is something to be to to be interested in. Um, but I think, I think I tend to agree, yeah. Haynes... Just because of the extra money that allows you to do something, you know, uh, after everything we've talked about on this podcast, um, pretty much all our options are pick the guy that's going to average pretty similar but is cheaper. <laughs> Look, if you if you have if you have Haynes, Ridley, Lloyd, I don't know if there's another player that I would then get before getting Ryan. Like if you already have those three, Neil, do yeah, you see another player? All three of them. Uh, no, I don't. I, I he. Like I would then get Ryan above all else, I think, yeah. if I the, already had those the, three. The ceiling is what's getting you, and particularly with round 18 coming up. It's the same reason we've been saying that Lloyd is a, a good selection. Yeah, the best 18, yeah. Yeah, because you know, if he, you know, his last two, 162, 142, if he does something like that against GWS, whose forward line, again, has been dysfunctional at Optus Stadium again, there's every chance he puts out another 130-plus score this week. Um and he's going to be even more expensive if you're thinking about bringing him in. So um, I definitely don't have a problem with someone backing their gut and say, you know, his last eight games have been split between Optus Stadium and Metricon. Three of his next four are at Optus Stadium or Metricon. You know, like there may be one game in there that you can be really concerned he's going to let you down, but, you know, what player are you not concerned is going to let you down? (laughs) In my team, <laughs> most of my players I'm worried about. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Chiso, that sums up uh, all of the patron questions. Um, I think unless you have another topic, I think uh, we should uh, call it a day. That's pretty much it, mate. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for chatting, Supercoach. Thanks to everyone that's still listening to us and sticking by us during the remainder of 2020. It's uh, It's been a fun ride, and it's only going to get more exciting as the you know, condensed fixtures part two kicks off pistol. Why don't you let them know where they can find us during the week? I'm pretty sure everyone listening knows where to find us, but shoot it anyway. <laughs> you can find myself on Twitter at pistol underscore DRSC. You can find Chizo with a Z Chizo underscore DRSC and JB at JB underscore DRSC. If you want the main Dr. Supercoach page, it's Dr. Underscore SC Dr. Spelt out. Uh, 
Otherwise, I think uh, last week Chizo uh, was trying to drive up some support to leave some positive reviews uh, for the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure any of them came through, so uh, we'll we'll pretend that that never happened. But uh, I've got I've, I've got to be honest. I've actually got no idea how to check. <laughs> Hold so on, it, we ha- it was well worth. We the time. have one. We have one. Our first one in 18 months on iTunes. We're at 4.8 pistol. I'm pretty happy with that from 132 ratings. We've got two of one star. What the heck? That's all right. Everyone's allowed to have their wrong opinion. Uh, Pep, uh, Legends, amazing podcasting community. Helped me to my best ever SC season so far. I like that he put so far in there. That's really important. No one else comes close. Thanks, Pep. Really, really appreciate the uh, the support that you, uh, you give us and uh, all the fun you are in Slack and pretty much liking everything I say is like one of my family. Yeah, I, I like the part where you said, P.S. Pistol is the best podcast, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I anyway, deliberately left that out. <laughs> thanks, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week.